Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Jim. Good morning, Riverside Church. How are you? On your the 30th. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe that? How quickly has that time gone? It's great to see so many um, familiar faces. Can I say old faces? I won't go there because <laughs> you might throw it back at me. Um, uh, first, I do want to just say thank you to Pastor Jim and Pavey for the honour of being here today. Uh, and, and it is an honour. And, um, and to have journeyed with these guys as colleagues and friends over these past 30 years. And uh, 30 years, you know, 30 years ago, 30 years ago, Paul Keating was the Prime Minister. <laughs> Australia, 30 years ago, won its bid to host the 2000 Olympic Games. And the winner is Sydney. Sydney, yes. Um, it was also the year, and some of you, of course, won't remember. Remember the John Houston interview about the birthday cake with the possible GST, and um, that was that year. the The median house price in Australia 30 years ago was $119,000 and one hundred dollars $119,000, the median house price. Um, Petrol was 65 cents a litre. God, bring back the good times. <laughs> a loaf of bread was $1.64. Milk cost a dollar and one cents a litre. And the, uh, if you're into gaming, Sonic the Hedgehog and Super Mario Kart were right up there in that day. Um, the movies, Mrs. Doubtfire, how many of you remember that? Was it just a great movie with uh, Robin Williams and Schindler's List? Um, was it released that year. Australian Formula One was won by Ayrton Senna, who tragically died the next year. Um, and in tennis, the Australian Open was won by Jim Courier, the men's, and the women's was won by Monica Sellers 30 years ago. And uh, in cricket, Australia defeated England 4-0 in England. So... <laughs> And I'm not sure how we'll do today, but um, at least we're two up. And 30 years ago, Riverside Church was planted. 30 years ago. Wow. But how many of you know the landscape of the world and church has changed in the past 30 years? And uh, oh my goodness, it's, it's, we live in a crazy world in some respects. It just seems crazy and getting crazier. And sometimes it can be overwhelming. I don't know about you, but there are moments I feel like, you know, my, my brain is almost overwhelmed. It's like a, those of you that are familiar with computers, it's like I've got 17 windows open and four of them are frozen and I don't know where the music's coming from and it's like, that's kind of the world in which we live. It seems like that. And um, 30 years, Pastor Jim Pavey, it's a wonder you didn't kill someone. <laughs> oh, well, you have, but we just don't know where they are. <laughs> no, we never had a complaint. We've had lots of others about other issues, but we've never, ACC's never had any complaints about you killing anyone. Um, although I'm sure you were tempted. 
And um, 30 years ago, when you planted this church, it was a defining moment. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a moment, about defining moments and remembrance, because we do that today. Um, there's a lot of defining moments in history and in life. Um, I remember as a, just a, a young kid, I remember the assassination of JFK, John Kennedy, President John, John F. Kennedy. And I remember as a kid in, in the kitchen, just a young kid, and hearing the radio and the assassin. How many of you know that was a defining moment in American history, world history? Landing of the, on the moon in 69. Uh, there are so many defining moments in history. Um, since 2000, there's been a lot of things that have happened the last 23 years. 9-11, as it's become known as. Changed the world forever. It was a defining moment. So what, what is a defining moment? It's when a choice you make or an action you take or an incident happens that will forever from that moment define some aspect of your life, be it as an individual, be it as a community, a nation, a church. We all have defining moments throughout our, our lives. When we leave school, when we get our first job. How many of you can remember getting your first job? A defining moment. Some of you still haven't ever had your first job. But anyway, um, keep trying. Um, and I'm just talking about the 60-year-olds. Uh, when we get married, how many of you know that's a defining moment? When you have kids? Uh, there's a lot of stuff happens that, now we don't have to be defined by those moments, but they are defining in our lives depending on how we respond to them. And, uh, and in the ongoing purposes of God, there are moments and there are seasons of opportunity that God gives us that are potentially life and history changing. They, they are these moments that have something of destiny about them if we seize those moments and there are times when God opens a door of opportunity and 30 years ago Jim and Pavey seized that moment of opportunity. They seized that moment and it was, it was defining, it really was. And there are these moments when the right decisions and the right actions and responses will launch a person, will launch a church, will launch people uh, into a new season of possibility, uh, something great, being a part of something significant in God's purpose. And that's what was initiated 30 years ago. And so today we, we celebrate, we celebrate 30 years. That was a defining moment. But I want to say to you, today is also a defining moment. Today is where your history that we celebrate and remember today is where your history meets your destiny. Today is where your history meets your destiny. And that's true for us, for you as a church, and true for all of us as individuals. We often forget the journey and forget and it, it's just so good seeing so many I remember having done the journey from the very beginning um, being a part of it at different times particularly I remember when uh, Jose and Marta got married in fact I preached the first Sunday they were back from their honeymoon 
and they were both looking happy. And um, Martin, not so much, but uh, no, no. <laughs> Where's Jose? Only kidding. Um, and I, I leaned across, I thought it was, but I leaned across to Pastor Jim this morning. He said, who's that playing the saxophone? Joel. And uh, wow, what, what an young, well done, Joel. Yeah, hallelujah. That was awesome. The, um, we, we sometimes forget the journey to our detriment. And I'll talk about this in a moment. We don't live in the past. But it's important to remember the journey. And, um, and as, as life's ongoing journey with its constant demands and as unfolds and as another generation comes through and it's easy to forget the achievements, it's easy to forget or be aware of, of just what it took to, to get to where we are. I had the, the great privilege a couple of years ago at speaking at the funeral of Pastor Alex Alcorn, Pastor Wayne Alcorn's father, and just a, an absolute legend in the faith, wonderful man. And, uh, and I shared, I, I felt, because having, I, I had known him, well, I got a photo of Alex Alcorn holding me as a baby. So it went back a long time. And, um, uh, and I remember thinking, because I knew of something of the journey that they'd done in ministry, and so I passed away and asked me if I would speak representing our movement. Because many people didn't know. They didn't know the incredible things that those guys had done. And so it's, with that thought in mind, it's interesting. By the way, the concept of remembering recurs prominently in the Bible. Old Testament and New Testament. In fact, we took communion this morning. Jesus said, when you do this, you what? You remember. Why, do we, why is it important to remember? Because it, it provides, it keeps us on track. We don't live in the memory of things, but the, the remembrance of certain key things, such as Jesus' death and resurrection and his sacrifice. How many of you know that's core to our future, to our direction? And it helps keep us on track. And so the concept of remembering recurs prominently in the Bible. Psalm 135, verse, a few verses here, verse 4 through to 7 says, One generation shall praise your works to another. I want you to pick up something here. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness. And we were singing about it just before. The goodness of God and shall sing of your righteousness. The goodness of God. Uh, you know, I was saying to someone recently, if, if I was asked, if I knew that, you know, tomorrow was the last day of my life on earth and I was asked to sum up life and my journey, how I felt about it, like I'm sure everybody in this room, been through trials and sufferings and tragedy and all sorts of stuff, but you know what, if I was asked to sum it up in a moment ago, it's been a blast. And I remember the goodness of God. Oh, I, I look back and consider and recount the goodness of God in my life over the decades. And that sums up what this, this celebration is about today, as we celebrate the goodness of God. We praise God for all he has done. Um, and for those of you that have been here since those beginning days, early days, and all the work, the sacrifice, 
Unbelievable. You stop to think, talk about defining moments if Jim and Pavey hadn't made that defining decision 30 years ago, this church wouldn't be here. It would have changed every one of your lives. You think about that, the, the flow and effect, it's, it's unbelievable. And the countless hundreds of people who have been a part of this church at different seasons and times on that journey. And sometimes we, uh, we don't realize, I remember, again, 30 years, I did 20 in my first church, then was released on parole. And um, <clears throat> um, but I remember after 20 years, and we kept pretty good records. And uh, we were at that time when I left there in 1996, now the end of 95, beginning of 96, um, we were a church of two, three hundred probably, and, but we counted back and there'd been almost 3,000 people through our church whose lives had been touched. We obviously couldn't keep them, um, <laughs> but whose lives had been touched and changed, and that's just the nature of life. People move, you know, all sorts of stuff happens. But hundreds and hundreds of lives have been touched, and I'm sure, without knowing the figures, but I'm sure that's the truth here. That's the case here. And so it's good, it's important to remember. Um, and, uh, and I want to honour and thank all of you, apart from Jim and Pavey and obviously uh, their kids, Alex and Jackie, and I remember, I remember those early days. And, uh, but to, to all of the rest of you who've put in acquiring this building and, and the initial getting it done and then the flood. And I know there were some of you that just, poured in days and days and days of effort and um, wow and it's not in vain it takes energy it takes sacrifice but great things are built with energy and sacrifice and commitment there's a passage that I, I'm not going to preach terribly long this morning you wish um, <laughs> I usually ask the pastor you know how long do you normally preach for? When do you want me to finish? It's really just a polite question. It doesn't mean anything, but it's always nice to ask. But there's some verses in Joshua chapter 1 I'd like to, to just uh, draw your attention to this morning. And uh, Joshua chapter 4, sorry. And verse 1, it says, It came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take you for, for yourselves, 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. That this might be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Wow, interesting. And then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded and took 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of tribes of the children of Israel, carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. And he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, 
when your children ask their fathers in time to come, so you've got to understand that we remember always to point to the future. And that's what God, and I'll talk about this in a moment just briefly. Um, saying, what are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. That all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God. Points to the future and points to the truth that all people may know the Lord God. That, that's the goal. That's the goal. It's, today is not just about nostalgia. So for most of us, it's interesting, hey, for, I've got a whole lot of mementos. For most of us, when we, we travel, now some people, you know, don't, but uh, I, I like to get some little thing from different places I've been. And when I look at it, it's not the actual value of the thing, but it's what it does for me. I look at that and I remember the journey. I remember the event. I remember the time. I remember the trip. I remember that experience. And that's why it's good to look back and to remember. So what God, what God had in mind in this passage in giving these instructions about building that memorial was God wanted them to remember the good things. He wanted them to focus on the rescue the deliverance, the salvation, his goodness. You remember the story. They were slaves in Egypt and forced to work long hours and daily laboring. It was tough. They were constantly making bricks and mortar, and sometimes without mortar, without straw, working on projects for someone else, things that they themselves would never be able to use or enjoy. Life was difficult. And verse 7 says, as we read, that these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. They were set up in place to remind them of the great rescue. Can I just say, even at a personal level, never forget the great rescue. Never. The greatest miracle, I've been preaching a message lately about creating the atmosphere for miracles, but, you know, the greatest miracle of all is the miracle of a transformed life. That's the greatest miracle of all. Every other miracle we can... I believe we're going to see more and more, again, physical healings and miracles. But, you know, the best miracle of healing is still only temporary, but the miracle of a transformed life is eternal. Changes people for eternity. And that's, that, my friends, is why we're here. That's why you're here. Whether you've been here one week or whether you've been here 30 years, that's why this church exists. And to be honest... Um, Focusing on the good, remembering the good from the past season. How many of you that have been on the journey with this church for some years can remember a lot of good times, a lot of fun times? Sure, there's been some hard times. But no, I just, I stop and I have, to, I have to remember the bad times and I can remember them and they've helped shape my life and I've learned through those. But I, I just remember, I remember the good times. Remember the good times. And it's what God wants us to do. Um, to remember the rescue, remember the good times. In fact, that's, I would just say that's a key to living well. If you live just in the memory of all the hard stuff, you're going to do life tough. But when you, as we have sung this morning, when you celebrate and remember the goodness of God, how many of you can, can praise God for his goodness in your life today? Come on. Yeah. So God's intent in 
this instruction was to encourage them to remember his goodness and remember the great rescue. Secondly, it was, it was a marker to say goodbye to the past. Interesting. So we remember the past, but it was also they had crossed over. They crossed over into a new era, into a new season. The past, as we've said, has its good and its bad, but they had crossed over. And, you know, you, you can't, it's like driving with a driver car. It's good to have a rear vision mirror. It gives you perspective. You, you, you know, it's helpful. But how do you know your primary focus has got to be looking forward? Otherwise, that's going to be disastrous. And there are some people who live their life looking in the rearview mirror. And you can't do that. You're going to run into stuff. You're going, to, you're going to have an accident. You're going to fall short if you live your life looking in the rearview mirror. Again, we remember what's been behind us so that we can move forward. God always points to the future. Some people try to live back there. And uh, again, it's getting that tension and that balance right. I loved so many of those songs we did this morning. I love retro. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that because you see, for me and for many of you, I'm sure, there are, there are songs, some of those songs this morning, uh, representative of my journey with God. I had encounters with the presence of God with some of those songs in worship over the years. I remember as a 17-year-old and I went to an Andre Crouch concert. Any of you remember Andre Crouch? Oh. I personally, I would have to say, and I went been to a lot of Christian concerts, Andre Crouch's concert, was, I went to a couple of them, was the best gospel concert I've ever been to in my life. John, John's nodding and got his hand up. Um, and I, I remember, and I bought that, that first album live at Carnegie Hall. And on that, and I still remember the night he, they sang it at fest, the old Festival Hall, long gone in Brisbane, and th that chorus, Hallelujah. Oh, man. I tell you, first of all, I still, I still remember the presence of God fell in the place. I bought that album. I would lie in front of my stereo as a 17, 18-year-old in my flat and play that album over and over, and I had encounters with the presence of God. Now, that's not about sentimentality, but it's a marker on my journey. It's like the song, He is Lord. Songs like Shout to the Lord. By the way, and this wasn't in my notes, this part's for free, um, it's always good to, to think about what's, what's the song in your heart at the moment. I don't know about you, but I find that when I've gone through certain seasons, you know, four years ago, I, you know, the last decade's been very challenging with a personal journey in my life. And I want this another story. I won't go into that this morning. Some of you are aware of it. But, but I, in 2019, I was feeling pretty broken and devastated and and I remember going to our Pan-Asia conference in Phuket and we sang Waymaker, the song Waymaker. And uh, how many of you know that song, familiar with that song? I love that song. We must have sung it 40 times over the two or three days. But, but I can remember standing there with my hands raised to God, singing, singing that song, tears running down my face. And for the next 18 months, that was my song because it was a declaration of faith. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You're a way maker, promise keeper. Ah, oh, man. There's a so What's the song in your heart at the moment? 
I, I love the song. Probably has been there's a couple, but one one over the last twelve months has been I speak Jesus. Oh man, that's powerful. I speak Jesus, <laughs> and we sang in one of the older ones this morning. Come back to a heart of worship. It's all about you. Oh, you know the thing for everything that goes on and all the stuff that we're a part of. At the end of the day, I, the last couple of years I've just bring it all back to Jesus. It's like. In fact, this might shock some of you. I don't even call myself a Christian anymore. I know, that's pretty shocking. I, no, no, I, I do, but I use the term follower of Jesus. Uh, the reason I do that, and I'm not saying you should, is because when I talk to people out there, the term Christian's got a lot of baggage attached to it. And by the way, it's not a sacred term. Jesus didn't command you shall be called Christians. Um, I mean, I like, but it's got a lot of baggage attached to it and people have got problem with the church and religion and all that stuff. Less people have problem with Jesus, so I'm a follower of Jesus. And I love bringing it back to the simplicity of following him, following him. But what's the song in your heart? What's the song in your heart at the moment? So don't live your life in the past, okay? Even God can't change the past, Think about that. But how we respond to what's happened in the past certainly will determine our future. Even God can't change the past. Good, bad, whatever. The past is just that. It's past. We learn from it. We remember it. We, we so much we glean from it, it shapes us. So we allow God to use it to shape us. But you can't live there. Third thing and I've said this this morning already. The third thing in this was that, uh, as I said, God was pointing them to the future. It was about the future generations. You know, I'm challenged by the fact that at any one point, we as, as followers of Jesus, as the body of Christ, we are only one generation away from extinction. The church is only one generation away from extinction. I won't take time this morning, but you read in the Old Testament, the book of Judges. After the incredible victories of Joshua and that generation, it says in Judges that that, that Joshua and that generation went to be with the Lord. They all passed on. And it says there arose a generation who knew not the Lord, nor the great things he had done. Oh my goodness. And for all the conquest, for all the victory of Joshua, they failed because they didn't pass it on to the next generation, which again is, is just so part of the theme of this passage and even the one we read from Psalms earlier. It's about passing the message on to another generation. And for those of us who are becoming more mature, you suddenly realize, I was talking to a couple of people this morning, and I was talking to Mariah, saying, how, how quickly does life go by? Can you believe 30 years? Man, the, the Bible is true, surprise, surprise, when it says life is but a vapor. It's like a blade of grass. It's there looking green and fresh, and then whoop, it's withered and gone. Just want to encourage you with that note. Um, <laughs> We've got to make it count. But what it does make us realize is the value and the importance. In fact, the mandate upon us, however young, old, whatever our stage of life might be, to raise up another generation. 
That's why it was great to see young Joel on stage playing saxophone this morning. I believe saxophone's making a comeback in church worship. I love good sax playing. That is awesome. Um, and, uh, and, and just to, to see Jackie up here this morning, see Alex on drums, still, still trying to play after all those years. <laughs> no, 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 no. But that's such a blessing. I know for me personally to see my kids serving God, that's one of the greatest blessings for me, about seeing what's happening with the next generation. And for those of us that have been around a little while, we should be the greatest champions and encouragers of the young generation coming through. We need to be and do everything we can to champion their, them. And, and we have this responsibility. When your children ask you, when your children ask you. In another 30 years, and Pastor Jim gets up here, says, I want to welcome Pastor Gary back this morning. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. It is possible. I'm, I'm believing I'll be... I'm, I'm going for another 30. I'm uh, going for another 30. Um, but whether Jim will invite me back, that's the question. <laughs> But there'll be another generation. I hate to break it to you, but many of you will be home with Jesus. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. As I said, Christianity is never more than one generation away from extinction. Our world is growing darker, but it's an incredible opportunity. Can I, can I just share this? I, um, with all the craziness in the world, you know, and woke culture and all the stuff that's going on, sometimes you go, this world is just insane. How can this be? And, and the pressure on the church, the culture moving so far away from the values that we hold to be true and that we know to be true. And sometimes you can get, I think it was late last year or, you know, during last year I was, I was starting to feel, because I work representing our movement, involved with other church leaders in representation to government around a whole lot of issues from voluntary assisted dying legislation to, you know, during COVID and a whole lot of other things, anti-discrimination. So I work in that space and sometimes it can be pretty disheartening. And you go, oh man, what's happening? But I, I have this fresh, there's something fresh beginning to stir in the spirit. I want to encourage you all here this morning. There is something fresh beginning to happen. There is a new move of God that is coming. And as already the stirrings are over the last six to nine months, I've begun to see it happen in churches around our country. There's a growing hunger for the presence of God. There's a growing hunger and desire to pray and to seek God. And we, you know, we want to see tangible manifestation of the presence of God. We want people to have encounters with Jesus. Hallelujah. Because that's what changes people's lives. It's an encounter with Jesus. And uh, did any of you get to see the movie The Jesus Revolution? Yeah. Now, I never got to see it because of travel and it was only had a short time in the cinemas, but everybody I've spoken to is saying how how it so moved them and it was such a great story to retell that story of the Jesus Revolution of the late 60s and 70s. And um, the story of 
what's his name, Glenn Laurie and, and um, uh, what's his name, I've forgotten the name, now the reproducers. Yeah, anyway. And I was reflecting back. So it's in the early to mid-70s, I'm in my late teens and early 20s, and it was the era of Christian coffee shops. Any of you remember Christian coffee shops? And we would go out street witnessing, you know, in different places, but when I became part of Glad Tidings, we had a coffee shop in Alfred Street in the Valley. We did coffee shops up on the sunny coast and all sorts of things. And we'd go out street witnessing and we would invite people back to the, this coffee shop. It wasn't like a commercial-run coffee shop. It was just set up for the, for the night or whatever. Why they came back, I don't know, because we called it coffee, but when I think back... <laughs> How many of you remember Padwell? Pa uh, Pablo, sorry, Pablo. Some of you have had healing of the memories. Um, Maxwell House. Um, oh, sorry if that's your favourite brew. Um, uh, there was one called Echo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, some of it was ground dirt tasted better, uh, you know. But anyway, but people would come back. To, to these coffee shops. And I've got to tell you, because you've got to understand back in that era that the, the, the counterculture, the there was a cultural revolution happening where the whole focus on free love and it was drug, sex and rock and roll and, and we had the whole hippie movement that was part of a major expression of that. And, and you've got to understand and remember, some of you remember back, that was as shocking to the then culture of the day as woke is to us now. And so, and I was encouraged by this thought. And, and that back in that day, we saw this culture moving so far away from the values that we hold to be true. And, and then in the middle of that, God turned up. In the middle of that, God turned up. And we would see people come in, you know, off the street. We'd witness to them. They'd get dramatically saved. And we would have people get delivered. There was a rise in interest in the occult at the time. And uh, we'd have people coming wearing some amulet or some whatever, and there'd be a demonic manifestation. It was like, whoa! But they get delivered, they get set free. We saw God turn up in the midst of a culture that was moving away from Him. And I want to tell you, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again, but we need to be ready. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. Today we celebrate 30 years of what is. Riverside Church. And I wonder what yet is the unwritten history of Riverside? What's the yet unwritten history of Riverside Church? Wow. And those of you that are part of this family, the majority of you here today, whether young or old, you have the opportunity to help write the future. So that in 10 years when we celebrate the 40th or whatever, we go and there's been new history written. This is a defining moment. It's not just a moment of remembrance. By the way, just as I draw to a close, as a visiting preacher, you get three closes. That's my first. Um, it's interesting as you read on in that passage... Um, into Joshua 5, <clears throat> they cross over 
And uh, Joshua 5 says, the Lord says to Joshua, this day I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And it goes on as you read, and I won't take time. Uh, there was a fresh consecration. All the men were circumcised, there was, which was a sign of consecration and dedication to God. I want to say that you as a church have, you've crossed over into something amazing. You really have. Never lose sight of that. But a new season, and I believe that you are, this is the beginning of a new era. A new season. But it always requires a new commitment and a new consecration. You can't just live off the past. And sometimes when we've done stuff for a long time, we can go, well, yeah, I've done my bit. But our responsibility is to do what we can to build a memorial that the future generations will understand the goodness of God. The other thing I'd just say is in that passage, it says, interesting, that fact, I'll read that to you. They ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased. So for 40 years, they've had manna fall from heaven. That was God's provision. And then the day after they cross over, the manna ceases. And that year, they ate of the produce of the land. They no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. It was a new level of provision. And when we cross over, there's, there are points in our journey where we cross over, and I believe for you as a church, there's coming a new level of provision. A new level of provision. But, but there was a new level of consecration and commitment and recommitment. I want to encourage you as a church in what is a defining moment. Whether you've been here for a month, whether you've been here for the whole journey, um, this is a landmark point. This is a waypoint. The journey is not over. We celebrate. I wonder if the team, if you would just come back up uh, for me. It's, um, sometimes they do it. Sometimes the worship team will very often come up or the keyboard player will come up and begin to play while you're preaching. And I call that the nick-off music. <laughs> remember when Sizzler, remember when Sizzler's, and so... You'd have all the food and stuff. Then they'd bring you some mints. I call them the nick-off mints. So when I'm preaching sometimes, no, I, it, this is not true. Well, maybe sometimes it is. Keyboard player comes up, begins to play uh, the nick-off music. It's time to go. Now I'm calling for the team to come up this morning. I want to encourage you. We praise God. In fact, right now, why don't you just stand with me? Just stand with me right now. I don't want you even without, without singing a song. We're going we're gonna to do that shortly. I want you just to lift your voice and begin to just thank God this morning. Praise God for his goodness in your life and in the life of this church. And we thank him for everything he's done in this past 30 years. Even the stuff that you don't know. The lives that have been touched that you don't know. God, come on, just lift your voice in praise to him this morning. Oh, thank you, Lord. Father, we give you praise. We give you thanks this morning for your goodness, for all that you have done. 
May our hearts be filled with gratitude, filled with thankfulness this morning as we praise you, as we praise you. God, I pray as we stand here this morning at this moment that we not just remember the past, but as we see in your word, we remember the past because you always want to point us to the future. And I pray for something fresh to come upon everyone who's a part of this church family today. God, I pray that there would come fresh passion, fresh enthusiasm, fresh desire. God, help us not to be content just to, to live in the land. God, I pray. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.